Welcome to Tech on Deck podcast brought to you by Fidelity Investments. I'm your host, Maureen Olajars, Domain Leader, Software Engineering, and Adam Ely, Chief Information Security Officer. Each episode takes listeners inside the walls of a fintech industry. Anything from cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, cloud, and crypto, to the intersection of product and technology. Tech on Deck breaks down the topics top of mind for technologists today. Plus, we'll give you insight into the exciting and challenging careers in fintech. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Tech on Deck. I'm Adam Ely, Chief Information Security Officer at Fidelity. And I'm Maureen Olajars, Head of Software Engineering at Fidelity. And we're here today with Jennifer Hayes, who leads our engineering excellence, digital accessibility, and strategy and execution for our personal investing business here in Fidelity. So Jen, welcome. Um, you know, we're, we're very happy to have you here as a guest and you've met Adam as well. And so this next hour, we hope will be, you know, some fun and, you know, a lot of great information for our audience out there. I'd love to just share, like we've we've spent some time in our career and I wanna hear more about your overall career, which is over 30 years, and have you share a little bit about what you and your team do, but it's great seeing you here and I've loved watching you know, your career grow and excel here at Fidelity. So why don't you share some things that would be uh, great for our audience to hear? Well, thank you both Adam and Maureen for having me here and giving this opportunity to talk about my career at Fidelity and all the wonderful opportunities we have in technology here. So my organization right now is comprised really of four different parts to it. And it gives me a lot of challenges every single day um, and different ways to help our customers. The first part of my organization is the engineering excellence, which is really a quality engineering organization, but it's much more than that. We like to call it quality engineering plus. Um, because what we're doing is we're, we're bringing all of the quality engineering practices, but we also have a lot of these uh, associates are full stack developers um, or other types of engineers that bring their knowledge and their skills to our product squad team to help develop the actual products um, along with ensuring that they're accessible. The second uh, part of my organization is actually the accessibility team itself. And our digital accessibility COE is part of our organization that ensures that all of our products and services, our digital products and services are available to all of um, our customers, regardless of their abilities. And then I also am in charge of the cloud migration, Fidelity's uh, PI's cloud migration to um, from our on-premise data centers to the cloud. And so that has been a wonderful challenge um, over the last five years as we continue to take advantage of what all the cloud services have to offer Fidelity. And then I am also in charge of the technology strategy organization. Um, and so that is really that opportunity to understand where the business strategy um, is going and how technology can really enable that business strategy. Okay, so we'll definitely talk more about uh, the digital accessibility in the future and then the recent, you know, growth in your role here around the tech strategy overall, but that's great. Jennifer, I think the the question I was left with after that was, what aren't you involved in at the moment? Uh, it seems like you have your hands in a little bit of everything. And, you know, Maureen was, give me a bit of your, your history because y'all have known each other, y'all have worked together in the firm uh, for so long. One of the things that jumped out at me is you didn't have necessarily a traditional path 
kind of that that path uh, up that ladder uh, that most people might think about. And I think if I'm right, there was one other thing in there that I learned that you didn't go to college either, which I think a lot of people will find fascinating. So I'd love if you can just expand on your journey a little bit and, and share as much as you're comfortable with. Well, thanks. And it's something that, you know, I, I have to say that I've grown to be more comfortable with um, as I age, that the fact that I had a non-traditional path into IT. And part of this is because when I became part of the IT organization or when I started to show interest in IT, there was a big transition that was going on within corporations itself, right? So this is when the distributed um, infrastructure was really starting to come into uh, into corporate America. And so I had this opportunity to watch what was going on around me. And to be honest, I volunteered. And I think this is part of what actually has made me successful throughout my entire career. I've watched what has been, what are the biggest challenges that we were facing and figured out how can I actually um, become part of it and learn and then start to move the, the organization forward. And so really it was, there was a, a gentleman who was doing tech support and he was just overwhelmed all the time. And I told him like, listen, if you, I'm trainable, I, I, I'm smart enough to pick up things. If you teach me how to do this, I can help you. And so I took part of my personal time. I took some of my extra time that I had um, on the job and I asked my boss, could I, could I do this? And she said, sure. And so I went through, learned from him on the job experience. I went through and did a whole bunch of research on my own, got certifications, learned how to apply that um, to helping him you know, on the side. And then when a job role came up, I advocated for myself and said, you know, listen, I know the people that you're supporting. I know the applications that you're supporting. Let me come in and give me a chance to do it. And so I was lucky enough to have someone who gave me a chance. And I think that repeated all throughout my career. Watching technology and understanding that technology is something that someone who is um, smart and who has a lot of ambition can really teach themselves or learn from the rest of us and really start to add a lot of value means that I also op opened myself up to lots of other opportunities that were challenges um, within technology that maybe a traditional engineer may not have addressed. And so I was always looking for that thing that was um, preventing us from going faster or allowing us to understand the business requirements and things like that more. And I just, I just naturally was able to fill in those roles. So I think that's amazing. I think we're in a we're in a day and age where so many people are struggling with should they go to college, not go to college? How do they transition between different types of careers? Maybe it's coming into tech, maybe it's doing something else, but in you know, in our world coming into tech, you know, and I, I love your story of this, maybe what might have been an atypical path and hopefully it's becoming more of a typical path for some people. I myself, I dropped out of college five times um, before I decided to finish because all I wanted to do was build and, and operate and that's it. If you look back on that and you look back on your time, you know, focused on, hey, I just want to help and I just want to get into tech. If you could give people now advice that are that are saying, hey, you have these great jobs, whether it's with us or anybody else, but I don't have a college degree, but I have this interest, I have this passion. Is there any advice that comes to mind that you might share with them that might help them progress their career, get that first role, that first foot in the door? 
I think that's actually the key, right? That first foot in the door is always going to be the biggest challenge. Um, and part of it has to do with us as organizations being able and willing to take a chance on atypical experience, right? I think when we look at people and what they bring to it, if you look for people with a thirst for knowledge, um, and especially, you know, within the technology organization, you can see this man manifest itself in different ways. There are a lot of now um, non-typical ways to learn, um, whether it's certifications or whether it is some of the colleges itself have programs where you can almost audit and learn some of this information. So you're first looking for a person that has some has knowledge and a thirst for knowledge. I would also take a look at what their other history is. Um, I remember I was sitting down with one of uh, my engineers and she, we were talking about leadership and she was saying, you know, uh, I want to become a manager, but I don't have any like management experience. And I said, let's step back a second and let's think about the leadership experience you actually have. She was, uh, she still is a, a coach on a series of sports teams and semi-professional sports teams. The leadership capability for that is actually amazing if you, if you think about that and say, how could you actually apply it? So I would really sit there and think about your career and think about what it is that you're doing in your day-to-day -day life that actually has prepared you for some of these types of roles. And then I would say, give yourself that opportunity. Don't limit yourself by saying you don't have those set of experiences, but getting your foot in the door is really, is really difficult. We need companies that really are looking, that are, will put aside some of those experience, some of those requirements to look for this atypical experience. And I actually think this is really important as we're trying to increase our diversity also, that we are giving people the opportunity to come in through alternate, main, um, alternate means. Yeah, I, th I think that that's great, Jen. And we could probably have a whole other podcast on that topic as a firm, because we know that Fidelity is doing some things with, you know, return to work, people who are in our customer service representative organizations, and then would like to go into either the business or technology. So how about if you tell us a little bit more about personal investing, right? So you're in our retail business. And as we think about that, right, we always call that our digital to consumer business. And I guess, can you share, can you help bring some color to what is personal investing and how might someone think about that as they're thinking about careers? So I think the first thing to say, personal investing, probably the way that we're most familiar with it, if people are at all familiar with Fidelity, is fidelity.com, right? So if you go in and you type in fidelity.com, that is personal investing. If you download the Fidelity app from the store, that's personal investing. And so personal investing is all about really democratizing the access to um, financial services and wealth management and things to uh, to all people, right? And, and, and it's something that I feel very passionately about uh, with Fidelity. It's actually where I started my career. I've had many other like little iterations of my career, but it's where I started my career. And I just love the idea that we're bringing um, financial services to everyone and advanced financial services. But personal investing is a lot more than just the ability to buy stocks and buy mutual funds and, and transact like that. Um, there's a lot of wealth management capabilities in that, private wealth management. And so really, we're, we're always trying to think about what it is um, in a couple of different ways. How do we allow our customers to achieve their financial goals? How do we continue to offer them more capabilities and services? And then how do we go through and just meet them where they are within their financial journey? So I got to say, Jennifer, as uh, both a, uh, an employee here, 
But as a customer and a consumer of many of the personal investing products and services, thank you for all that y'all do. Constantly pushing forward, and I'm constantly finding um, you know ways to to solve the things I'm trying to do, whether it's trading, it's looking for alternatives, or it's research or whatever it is. So product side, thank you for that. You know, I think one thing that that I think about though when when I'm when I'm using those products, or probably more just internal here when I'm in meetings is understanding a bit of that the tech strategy that makes all that happen and that will continue to propel us forward in, in personal investing. Can you expand on that a little bit for us? Definitely. So tech strategies are, are always really important to make sure that the tech strategy and the business strategies are aligned, right? You, you want to have be able to utilize and exploit technology to, to really drive your business strategy. And so I always bring those, those two things together. So the first thing that we have to think about, and one of the bigger challenges that we have is because Fidelity is such a diverse company, right? So not only do we have all those diversity of products within PI itself, we have many other companies that um, people interact with. And so we want to think about what is the brand of Fidelity and what does it feel like from a customer experience to go from one set of products and services to another set of products and services. And so that's really driving a lot of our um, digital experience and digital capabilities right now is making sure that that brand is, feels consistent um, and is easy to use. Um, the second is really focusing on the digital experience too. We do kind of have a problem because Fidelity does have this diverse set of highly complex services, financial services. When you have that, how do you make it easy for your customers to actually utilize? right? That whole experience to come in, make it easy, make it simple, make it so that they can actually have real time um, transactions that are actually happening and they're getting that feedback. That is all a challenge to us. And so we're really focusing on simplifying those experiences, the look and feel of the experiences, and then making sure we're going purely digital, right? Removing all of that manual, any sort of manual steps or processes in it. So that is an, another way that we're really looking um, at focusing. And then the third way is really kind of a, tech, a pure technology play too, um, especially from someone who comes from infrastructure, which was my background. Um, how do you really build scalable systems and processes, those, those straight through processing or digital processing that we have and having systems that can actually both um, be elastic so they, they can scale up and they can scale down. And so really cloud migration is one of those things that we're really looking at is how, to, how can we leverage cloud services to not only give us a scalable infrastructure, but also allow the digital processing to happen. And then of course, building capabilities faster um, is, is really one of those things that we're looking for from cloud service providers. And then for us, of course, as any good technology provider, we want to make sure that our technology services and our business products are available, that they're high performing, um, and that customers can access them when they want. So we put a lot of time and effort on our resiliency and our protection of our products, digital products and services. That's great, Jen. Thank you. <laughs> so Adam, there was an awful lot there that we could pull on. I think uh, we'll get to some of, you know, the core skills and things of that nature, you know, as, as we go along in the podcast. But as we take a look at, you know, the work that you're doing, the strategies uh, that you are executing on behalf of um, our personal investing business, you also are in several cross 
across leadership roles, whether externally to Fidelity, within Fidelity, in terms of some things that are your passion that you did at work, and then you took outside of you know the Fidelity walls um, to have you know a bigger presence and 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 your own brand. And so that I would love to hear a little bit more about that if you could share. Great, uh, love to. I love to talk about it actually. So. Uh- when we started our cloud migration, um, I actually became involved in it probably six to seven years ago. It's it's actually it's been a while now. It, it takes a while to move a company this size um, to the cloud, and um, every time that I approach things, I I always like to approach IT like a business, right? I think that we have to think about we have to think about the value that we're um, that people are achieving and how much it's costing us and how what is really that value statement after it, and so. When we were starting with our migration plans and trying to understand what uh, you know what value we would be putting into it and getting out of it, it hit me that we couldn't be the first company to do this, right? We couldn't be the first company to think, how do you optimize cloud? How do you get the value out of it? And so we started doing the research and there was this little foundation that was off to the side that started to have some best practices and it was called FinOps. Um, and it really is about the marriage of the, the financial piece along with the engineering and the operations of cloud. And how do you bring all three of those together? Because it takes all of that. And it really changes the dynamics when you move to cloud-based versus on-premise. It really changes that dynamic of how fast you need to make decisions and the financial impact that decisions make. And so I just started to research it. And I I called one of my uh, colleagues at uh, Fidelity in our, our cloud group and I said, hey, listen, Um, You and I have really similar uh, interests and pursuit on things. I think this is, there's something here. And so uh, Zach Statham and I um, got together and we said, let's actually implement this at Fidelity. And so what a great opportunity. I remember going to the CIOs and saying like, listen, if you can trust us for six months, we can cut your bill substantially. And they did. They said, we're we're gonna have faith in you. All that we ask you to do is don't um, touch our production environments, don't harm our production environments. They said, of course, we would never harm your production environments. And so we we took some of those best practices and really built them. But then we went back to that to that foundation that had those best practices. And we were like, how can we participate and actually make this foundation better? And so um, Fidelity has an incredible reputation actually within the FinOps community. We've won several awards actually for our approach to it um, and for our contribution back to the community. And so one of the things, great things that happened is I was approached two years ago to be the chairperson of the governing board of the FinOps Foundation. So the FinOps Foundation, um, has since been taken, um, is become part of the Linux Foundation. So it, it's an extremely credible um, open source community. And it's open source from the fact of best practices, um, uh, really having uh, the entire community collaborate on best, practice, best practices that can be utilized by everyone. So very excited about that. Um, it allows me great opportunities. I regularly speak in front of open source communities places like AWS reInvent, um, CIO, uh, COOC type of events also. So um, it really gives us the opportunity to give back to the community and also uh, really make sure that Fidelity has a place in, in designing the future. I think that's absolutely amazing. I mean, the fact that we can, as a company, and you as a person, but we as a company, can invest the time and the resources into FinOps shows how mature we are in so many other areas. Cause it's not a, that's not the first thing that technology groups do by any means. 
And the fact that you got involved in this so early on and have been helping the company grow and, and as a result, helping the industry grow in this space says a lot, I think, about about you and about the the team and the and the company's focus. I'm going to shift gears slightly, but still something I think is is pretty near and dear to your heart, which is accessibility. And I know that the Global Accessibility Awareness Day uh, is in May. And I know this is something that that you do a lot of work on uh, and that uh, you champion amongst others uh, in the in the firm. So. You know, question that, that came to mind when I was thinking about this are, you know, what are the, the technology efforts that are being made around accessibility to both support our clients and our associates and where, you know, where we might be trying to replicate some of that same success in FinOps and other places by really leading by example and making things better? I am really passionate about accessibility. There are, there are a few times in your career that you get to especially from a financial services technology that you feel like you're really adding value to humanity, right? Um, and I, I wanna talk really briefly about why I think digital accessibility is so important because when you think about digital accessibility, at least when I did at the beginning, like I didn't have a lot of background into it. And so it kind of stumped me like, okay, so I'm supposed to make my products and services accessible for people who have vision problems, people who have hearing problems, people who have mobility problems, and these are digital products. How do we do this and why is that really important to it? And really, I think about COVID. I think about what did we experience over the three years that we were um, sequestered at home or the two and a half years that we were sequestered at home and our life became about digital access to things, right? So we were communicating with our family through Zoom and through um, those type of events. We were ordering food from our phone and from um, the web. We Everything we were doing to keep in touch with the outside world and sustain ourselves was almost solely done through the digital. And what was, would that impact be if you had problems accessing, if you couldn't access these things because they weren't digitally accessible. So that started to set that tone for me of like how important it is that digital products are actually accessible. And we also think should think about accessibility in a couple of ways. One is a permanent disability, and then one is a temporary disability. And we should think about all of us at some point have experienced both permanent and temporary disabilities, whether it is you can break your hand and then how do you actually go through and interact with your phone if you can't actually touch things and, and do things, or all of us will eventually age and 70, more than 70% of all disabilities come with age. So we should be thinking about this. It actually is going to impact every single one of us. Maureen, you looked like you were about ready to say something. <laughs> That's right. Um, really yeah really and I, I remember my father one time I had just taken over the practice and I was um, he's a fidelity customer and I I was at home visiting him and he wanted to show me something on his account and he picked up the phone he you know because he transacts that way and he, he he went to look at something he's like I, I can't see it here and he said oh, I've got to go and find my my computer so we had to go into his computer so these are moments of real clarity to me about why it is so important for us to think and embed accessibility into all of our products. Now we're not 100% at it, and it is a set of challenges in engineering, um, from design and engineering things that um, you actually have to figure out. Um, we've created this great DOE uh, that are actually led by two people that have lived 
experience with disabilities. Um, both of them are blind and they are extraordinary at their jobs. From understanding the risk and compliance piece to being an engineer who is known the world over because he actually helped set the Iceland, Icelandic um, requirements for digital accessibility. But they also contribute back um, quite a bit. So they were just at CSUN. We had multiple, I, I believe we had five different people presenting at CSUN, which is the largest mobile, uh, accessibility conference this year. And um, so we, we take it seriously. We're trying to advocate for it just being a part of everything we do. So we don't have someone whose role is accessibility. We say every single engineer, every single designer needs to understand what the requirements are and they need to build for it because it's just the way we're going to be doing business from now on. Well, and if I can, I want to go back. There's, there's a stat, there's something you said that I thought was amazing and it ties to what you ended with where this is everyone's responsibility. You said 70% of disabilities come with age. We all know we're going to age. Therefore, we should all realize that we're all going to have these challenges. So not only should it be our responsibility, but really these things benefit all of us. Did I did I get that right? Yeah, you got that right. So and it may even be more than 70 percent. I don't have the number, but I know it's more than 70 percent. So think about that. Right. So there's lots of opportunity for that. Not only every single one of us, but all of our customers right? They age every single day. All of us age every single day, hopefully. But what I think is really fascinating, there's a couple companies who have really made progress on this and have pushed other, other companies to do it. If we think, think of just like Apple or Microsoft or some of these other different companies, they think about it as opportunities. And what I, I love about this is that um, some of the features that we actually have in our phones or our iWatches or anything like that have actually come from their pursuing of making things accessible. So if you think about Siri, Siri deals with that whole temporary and permanent mobility problem, right? If you have so many things in your hand and you want to ask Siri to call someone, you can do it without actually putting in, that's what we call a temporary disability is that you you can't do it at that moment. And so they said they have seen this as an opportunity. And I think that's what Fidelity should see it too, is, is that there are lots of opportunities to think about accessibility of our digital products to not only permanent disabilities, but how do you, again, how do you meet your customers where they are at that moment and how they need to have access to things? There's a lot of opportunity here. So with your journey through Fidelity, I mean, you've, you've done a number of things. You've hit a number of areas. You've worked with lots of teams. I mean, you've seen the company. So when you think about tech careers at Fidelity, what traits do you think are most important for somebody to be successful, maybe in tech in general, but also in tech here at Fidelity? You know, the very first day I started with Fidelity, which let me just say was a while ago, um, it, they told me that the F in fidelity stands for flexibility, right? And I, I carry that with me every single time, every single day. So one of the things is that, uh, there are a lot of things going on at fidelity. There's a lot of businesses. There's a lot of investment in technology. And so there's a lot of this opportunity for us to try new things, to solve new problems. And, um, a lot of that comes with the requirement for being flexible about what you're working on, what you're doing. When I, um, I think one of the best pieces of advice that I had give, been given when um, I started becoming a manager and hiring people was that it's not always, don't always 
hire for the role that you've posted, right? So the role you have in front of you, hire for the role that these, this person may be, because um, more likely than not, a year down the line, that person will be doing a slightly different thing than they are doing now or something even bigger and majorly different. So you're, you're looking for what are their capabilities. You're looking for their flexibility. You're looking for their attitude for taking on challenges and working through challenges because we have a lot of those at Fidelity, some really complex challenges. And so we want to have a workforce that is adaptive in nature, that is always learning. And one of the things that I, I love about Fidelity is this idea that we need to invest time in people to learn. And so the, the idea of the learning day that we have of um, setting, setting aside time for people to either upskill, learn something new, or also to take some focused energy on solving a problem that's in front of them that they don't get when they're only spending an hour here or a couple hours there. Um, so you want someone who's actually going to take on those challenges and be able to, to solve them. And so I think that's that's what I look for and, and would really think that um, people who work well at Fidelity have those as characteristics. I think that's great, Jen. If I build on that, right, um, where you talked about flexibility, adaptability, being open to challenges, you know, things of that nature. One of the other areas that, you know, really strikes me as you talk through that is that influence without authority, like we're such a broad and diverse set of businesses and being able to um, bring ideas, bring, being able to have conversations to be able to talk about what might be and be able to have those. And I know you personally have, have, have done this at Fidelity. And I know that you encourage that in people that you lead and mentor. And I think that along with how we think about that in fidelity um, and then build on learning right how we how we devote that time to our associates so one for building skills right whether that's technology skills right with the pace of technology moving so fast it can also be their um, soft skills right their influence you know being able to bring ideas um, out to the market and then i think how they contribute back to actually the associate community right, as leaders and how they start to build other leaders, right? Um, I'd, lo I'd love for you to be able to share any thoughts that you have in that space. Yeah, I, I think the first thing is that um, what I tell everyone is that uh, they're here for a reason, right? They're here for a reason. We've invested in them for a reason and their voice is always really important for us to listen to and to hear. And so every time that they come into a meeting or every time they come into a collaboration session, I want them to think about the fact that they're there and we've chosen for them to be there, right? And that's a really kind of key point for people to feel like they should be participating and they they have value to it. And we wanna hear their idea. The diversity of thought is a really important piece to that, to that standpoint. Um, and I, I also believe that um, one of the things that I've become passionate about is, although I've had an extremely long tenure at Fidelity, I'm really passionate about bringing in people from the outside and listening to their opinion and bring it in because I think fidelity can only get better um, if we continue to build our experiences from even outside of the fidelity perspective right and so that to me is a really important piece of bringing um, of bringing technology into fidelity's organization is bringing that second set of experiences so with that whether we're bringing in talent from the outside, or we're trying to build on careers. Um, there's a lot that goes on in formal peer-to-peer -peer mentoring. You know, if there's anything you want to share in that space in terms of either programs or experiences that 
that you've had or that you encourage you know, people in the organization. I think it's important in terms of how we build and what the culture of fidelity is like. Yeah, I, I think it's been it's been fundamental to me. You're like, if we think about even that very first experience that I had with technology, right? It was about creating a, a mentorship with someone who was willing to teach me. And so I think giving back to that is really important. Fidelity has a lot of great programs in order to do that sort of thing. They actually have whole coaching session sections in each of their major sites of where um, people in all different types of job of job categories can go through and search what other possibilities there are there and who can help them um, learn more about it and and, and create mentorships. Um, there's all sorts of ERG programs too, like Women in Technology, um, the Veterans Association, all of those type of things have intentional designs behind creating these mentorships. Fidelity is a very much a network type of place. It's who you're able to have discussions with and conversations with. And it's that's really important from the influence part that you asked a little bit earlier of having um, that influence is, is really having that ability to, to create these relationships, but also understand how you can go out and create your own, right? Um, and that's, I think, a really important piece. Um, we have great programs too, like the Resume program, which is bringing um, people back into the workforce after they've been exited a couple of years and, and is um, an internship programs. And we put a lot of focus and time into making sure that the people that are participating in those programs are successful, not only during the time that they're in the program, but hopefully successful about getting into Fidelity in a permanent sense. And so um, I've participated in all sorts of things from the internships, the LEAP, to the Resume, to the, um, the other ERG programs. It's a core part of me giving back to uh, Fidelity of what everyone has given to me throughout my, um, throughout my career. Jennifer, you mentioned you mentioned the resume program there. Can you expand on that a little bit? I think uh, a lot of the the folks outside the firm wouldn't necessarily know what that is, but I think it's something interesting. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the the benefits of that program? Yeah. Um, so resume is basically a program that is meant to to take people who have been out of the workforce. So they're typically women who have been out of the workforce um, because of either childcare, parental care, or any other type of reason. So they've had some skills that they've had some experiences, but find it difficult to re-enter the workforce after being out for you know two to five years or, or more even. And so this is a program um, that was set up to say, you know, what they do is they pair a person from the resume program into the organization and it could be on technical skill set it could be a business skill set and they they mentor them up and, and they they match them up for i think a period of six to nine months and then at the end of the, the the job at the end of the time that gives them a set of experience right they get exposed to fidelity they get to understand um, how fidelity works what technologies are being used they they work day to day with the teams and in fact my accessibility team has to resume people who came in through the resume process. So we actually taught them how to test accessibility. They had they had engineering backgrounds, but they didn't have accessibility backgrounds. So we brought them in. We said, hey, listen, you know what engineering is. You know how to work on this. So let's teach you how to do this from an accessibility standpoint. We invested that time. And at the end of the at the end of it, you can they, they have a few different options. Um, the hope would be that there would be a position that would come open that they could then apply for, have that fidelity experience, apply for it from being internal to fidelity. But if not, 
take it out into the workforce and show that experience on their resume. We've had great success with it. Um, and again, we converted two of our resume candidates onto our digital accessibility. And now one's helping manage and run the program. And the other one is actually doing um, the, the tests, the audits and helping with the engineering. That's great. And I think if you tie that back to how you originally talked about yourself, that first step to get back in the door, it sounds like resume you know, can be that kind of program for people who've been out of the workforce. Um, so Jen, we're going to meet when we do these podcasts and, uh, you know, have our guests here, we love to hear something beyond work, right? Either funny stories or anything that you want to share in terms of something that people may not know about you. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave it to you how you want to cover that. There's so many stories about me um, that are funny and uh, somewhat embarrassing too. And I, I, I don't mind sharing those at all. But, you know, we, when we were talking a little bit earlier today, uh, I, I was thinking about, you know, my, my journey as not only a woman in technology, technology but as a mother too. And um, it's funny, I used to tell people that um, how I used to get my kids to bed is, um, you know, I'd, I'd come to work and I'd have all of these new technologies I was always trying to understand and make sure I, I knew how to, to put in practice at Fidelity. But your day is so full, how do you continue to do that? And so I used to read white papers to my children at night. Um, and it's amazing how fast they want to go to bed when you're talking about TCP IP stack. So I'm just saying that, you know, if anyone wants to, to take that and apply it to their life, That's a good um, I've never had a problem getting my kids to bed because if they stayed up, they had a study with me and um, they, they were out. Like I'd start to read and they were out. So, um, you know, now I'm gonna do with grandchildren. Uh, my granddaughter comes over and I, I start to talk to her about, um, you know, all sorts of different AI, ML type of, um, type of items that I'm learning about. And uh, she, she, she goes to bed willingly. That's awesome. Thanks. You know, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, they're not interested in TCP IP. I, I just don't know what's wrong with these kids these days. I have no idea. Um, but that is a, that's an amazing trick. I might use that myself for, for myself actually. But Jennifer, if, if you could leave our our listeners with one piece of advice, and I, and I know that's hard, but if there was that one piece of advice that you could leave them with about uh, their careers and, and or tech in general, what would that be? So coming with one piece of advice is, is really hard. So I'll say what worked for me. Um, and really what worked for me was always trying to find that problem that needed to be solved, that next problem that needed to be solved. Um, and one that a lot of people didn't want to tackle. Um, and it really, why it worked for me is a couple of different things. Like if you start to solve problems, people think of you as a problem solver too, right? And they'll continue to give you other problems to solve. But also it gave me this opportunity to really expand my skill set because I was solving problems in all different sorts of categories. Um, and so it allowed me to move from um, type of technology to type of technology or process or um, system. So it really was this catalyst to really be able to try so many things and continue my, my knowledge and my learning journey. Um, and really, I, I was thinking about it, I haven't applied for a position in 24 years, 24 years of fidelity. And the reason how, how I've got, but I've had countless number of positions in that time. And it's all because I, 
found a problem, solved it, and then built a practice about it. And then they gave it to me as a job. And like, you can do this, you've proved it. And so over and over again, that has, worked, has been what has worked for me. That's great advice. Jen, thanks so much. It was a pleasure having you here today. And thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for so having much. Me. Loved hearing your journey. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for joining us for Tech on Deck. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't yet, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you to our listeners and recording studio and editors who make our episodes possible. To learn more about tech opportunities, head over to tech.fidelitycareers.com. See you next time.